0: What's good, everyone? Welcome to the second ever edition of the Bucks Film Room podcast. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, etc. Wherever you can find your normal podcasts, we are in the Brew Hoop feed. So just search Brew Hoop and our episode will pop up underneath that. So please subscribe, rate, follow, you know. Do whatever you got to do. We appreciate the love. Also, head over to brewhoop.com and you can comment about future topics you want me to talk about on there. You know, I'd really love to hear from you, get your guys' ideas as well. The original Brew Hoop podcast features Kyle Carr, Adam Paris, and Filey Reldman and drops on Sunday, so make sure that check them out. Two of those three are, you know, they're extremely intelligent about basketball, about the Bucks, and they're very entertaining. And then there's Riley. So moving on to today's podcast, we will cover Nikola Miritich's fit with the Bucks. Now that we've seen him play three games with Milwaukee, we'll break down some of the changes in the Bucks defense. We'll just do that really quickly. And then we'll rapid fire answer you guys' questions. I had tweeted out at Bucks Film Room um, for you guys' questions for the podcast. And so I'll answer those and go through those as well. And then that should be it for today. So let's jump right into it. First things first, let's talk about Nikola Mirotic. We have three games under our belt, which is not nearly enough. I mean, this will be a player who continues to learn the offense and kind of find his role and his fit with this team. But I just wanted to share my thoughts after the first three games. So I dropped an article and a video on this on Brew Hoop. So make sure to check that out. Both the article and the video are on Brew Hoop. And then you can also find just the video on my YouTube channel on the Bucks Film Room YouTube channel. So you can just go on YouTube and search Bucks Film Room there. And so you can kind of get an idea of my thoughts there. But I wanted to share uh, my thoughts with you as well on the podcast. So on paper, Mirtich, he's a great fit. He shoots 36.9% from downtown this season and and his shot profile as well fits perfectly with what Budenholzer wants to do. You know, we all I think we've all heard by now about the philosophy and you know how that how he wants his guys to either get shots at the rim or get shots from downtown. And that's exactly what Mirtich does. He gets 54% of his shots from downtown, or he takes 54% of his shots from downtown, according to Cleaning the Glass, and he takes 25% of his shots at the rim. So that's what, quick math 79% of his shots come from either at the rim or uh, from behind the three point line, and that only leaves 21% for that nasty mid range that Budenholzer hates. I'm kidding. He doesn't. He doesn't really hate it. He just wants his guys to, you know, do three ball or the rim. And so I would expect those numbers to even shift a little bit more drastically now that he's in Milwaukee. Like I would expect him to shoot some more threes, get some more shots at the rim. Um, this season, he's kind of right in the middle, maybe on the lower end for his normal percentages. And so these numbers are a little bit different. I know that right away. I'd said thirty. 6.8% or 36.9% or whatever from downtown. But Cleaning the Glass, they kind of get rid of those junk shots and all that stuff and the garbage minutes. And so, according to Cleaning the Glass, he's shooting 36% from the three-point line. And that's still a far cry from the 43% he shot when he was with the Bulls last season. Granted, that was only 25 games, a small, relatively small sample size, but he has that ability to get hot and to find Find his shot um, through three games with the Bucks, he's shooting 38.1 percent all of these and a lot of what we'll talk about today is small sample size so you got to be really careful about that is when you have a small sample size like this it can just take a few shots that greatly affect it one way or the other or an outlier performance that quickly or that completely messes up with messes up the data so and just to kind of keep that in mind and I'll keep referencing that as we go along but on paper there, his shot profile, his ability to shoot from downtown, that's exactly what Budenholzer wants. It's a great fit with the Bucks. And so a couple of things that I've kind of learned about him is he really has a quick release. You can see before the pass is coming that he gets his legs ready. You know, he's not sitting there necessarily like already down in his shot form, but he has his legs already squared up. So that way when the pass comes, He can just catch it and shoot it, and he has no problem shooting in a guy's face. That's something that is really valuable because, especially on a shooter like Mirtich, defenses are going to be paying attention to him, are going to know that he wants that shot, and they see him as a weapon. So if he can get his shot ready and get his body ready so he can just catch and go up with a shot, that will be huge. This season, he's shooting 37.1% when he's tightly guarded, according to NBA.com what does tightly guarded mean? You know, it, it. their definition is that there's a defender within two to four feet of Miritich when he's getting that shot off. So that's something that he's really good at is he has no problem if a guy's in his face, he'll still launch. And he's also good at catching catch shoots. So I think that's two areas where he can really do a lot of damage is just getting ready. You know if Giannis is driving into the lane or Bledsoe or the Bucks are using their great ball movement, he does he can do a great job of finding that position, getting ready and then just catching and shooting the ball once once the pass gets there. I think those are just two really huge assets and skills that he can bring to this table, bring to the team. Mirtic, he also likes the corners. He's making 38% of his attempts from the corners this season, and he's especially good from the left corner, where he's at 45.8%. So that's how does that fit with what the Bucks want to do? Well, at the very beginning of the season, there's a big hoorah made about, or hula-la, whatever, made about the the five corners, the five spots in the Bucks' offense, including the two corners. So they had the blue tape out there where Budenholzer was really preaching to his guys, you know, get to your spots. One blue square is at the top of the key, two are on the wings behind the three-point line, and then the other two are in the corners. And so that's really where he wants his guys to go. That's where the Bucks start their offense in, and that's, you know, the five-out formation that is reference And so if he's especially good from two of those spots, and it's not like he's a slouch from behind the break as well. He also, you know, can hit shots from all over the floor, but especially that left corner. And so expect the Bucks to recognize this as well and try to get him some shots there. Have him start in the corner often. He can come down off of a stagger screen which what that looks like is he can start in the left corner bucks could rotate it to him he could quickly fire it up or the two guys one guy at the wing one guy at the top of the key can set a stagger screen for him to come up off to the top of the key and catch and shoot there he's had that play a couple of times one where he caught and shot it and drained it and the other one his guy was trailing him and so he ended up curling it against the Timberwolves and got a lefty layup over Derek Rose because Rose was out of his help position so I think that shooting is really the biggest asset that he brings to this Bucks team, but it's not the only thing that he brings. He's a scrapper, you know, just like Ersan Ilyasova, just like Sterling Brown. He's a fighter. He'll get in there. You know, he's a survivor. He's, he's active on offense, and that allows him to catch the defense when they're sleeping. Mirtich isn't the most athletic guy. He had one put-back dunk where he barely got it above the rim, but that's fine. You know, he's active. He'll pass the ball and then cut to the rim right away, doing doing some of that give-and-go action. If a guy isn't boxing him out, you know, he'll drift or run into the lane to get the rebound. And so that scrappiness, you know, that's really important, I think, that'll bring that extra toughness. He pushes his teammates, the opposition, to the limit. There was that incident with the Bulls at the beginning of last season where him and Bobby Portis got into it or Bobby Portis punched him. And you see that scrappiness. You know, he can kind of get under the opposition skin a little bit just by playing hard and working his butt off you know he likes to work harder than the other guy and so I think that's something that toughness that'll be huge in the playoffs for the Bucs especially if they're trying to get out get out of the first round get to the Eastern Conference Finals get to the NBA Finals that toughness will go a long way for the Bucs and defensively he's not a savant by any means. He's not going to be a lockdown defender. He's not going to be a stud defender, but he's probably underrated in this category. I think it's safe to say that he is underrated. He can do a really decent job of just trying hard, moving his feet, and he has sneaky long arms, and I've been impressed by the couple of block shots that he's had, or he's deflected passes, or he's swiped the ball away from the opponents. Against the Timberwolves in specific, um, he he blocked Tyus Jones, which, you know, it's Tyus Jones, but Tyus has this thing against Wisconsin teams where he always plays well, but he blocked Tyus Jones on a layup attempt. He single-handedly, with no help, stopped Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was trying to drive Miritich did a great job of using his length, moving his feet, sliding side to side, and eventually Rose tried to do a jump pass, which he's kind of famous for, and Bledsoe, by that time, had sprinted over, and Miritich tipped it, and it went right into Bledsoe's hands. And another time, Wiggins was trying to drive on Miritich, and Miritich was able to slide his feet just enough. Right as Wiggins was going up, Miritich used those sneaky long arms and swiped the ball right away from Wiggins. So... He does a nice job there, and I think that he'll be okay. He can hold his own on those switches, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but he does okay with that aspect, and I think that his defense is underrated, and we'll see how that plays out the rest of the season. The last thing I want to talk about with Nikola Mirotic is his fit with Giannis. The big thought, right, is that they're a perfect pairing on the court with one another. Miritich has that quick trigger like we talked about. He can hit shots from all over the court. If Giannis drives, then Miritich's defender is, is stuck with two with two decisions, right? One, stop the drive and force Giannis to kick it out to Miritich where he'll make it 37% of the time. Or two, Defend Miritich, where Giannis will drive to the rim and likely finish a dunk and demoralize your whole team. So that really puts defenders in a tough spot. Um, And we'll see how this goes. You know, they played pretty well in their couple minutes. Giannis, I know Eric Name had talked about this on their Locked on Bucks podcast. I aside here I don't know if I'm supposed to mention are they like a rival I don't know but I I listened to them so they anyway so he was saying that Giannis loves to play with Mirtich already he's looking for him that kind of thing but and here's another small sample size alert nothing to be alarmed about but just something I want to point out Um, so Giannis and Mirtich have played two games together because Giannis sat out on Monday against the Bulls. So they played two games together and they've only been on the floor for 10 minutes total in those two games. So that's an average of five minutes a game for those of you who aren't math whizzes and kind of need me to break that down. I'm happy to help there. So that average of five minutes a game is the lowest average minutes per game that Mirtich has played with any of his Bucks teammates so far that he shared the court with. What that means? Probably nothing. Probably absolutely nothing. Um, two games that really you know, Mirtic is trying to find himself. He he's struggling right I struggling is a too harsh of a word. I I take that back. But he's He's learning on the go, shall we say, about how to play within this offense. He spends a lot of time setting ball screens when he should just be spacing the floor. And I noticed a couple of times in the Bulls game he was kind of didn't know what to do. And DJ Wilson at one point that I remember in particular had to point out, you know, go get the ball or go set a screen that way. So he's still learning on the go. He's, you know, finding his legs after getting back from an injury, missing games when he was with New Orleans. And so that can have a lot to do with it. Um, But I just wanted to point out that that two games in five minutes, they seem to be, you know, a lot of times Miritich will come in for Giannis or vice versa. Um, It probably means absolutely nothing. So don't like get your, I don't know, underwear in a bunch or whatever the saying is, but just kind of keep an eye out for it as time moves along. I think it's just something that, you know, we'll monitor. I'm sure that they'll share the floor a lot with one another. I'm sure that that's a lineup combination. You know, Boonholzer has been going, liking that jumbo lineup where Miritich has shared the floor with uh, Ersan, Ilyasova, and Brook Lopez. He's shared the floor with Giannis and Brook Lopez. Um, and I wonder if we'll even see like a uh, Giannis, Miritich, Ersan lineup. The is kind of experimenting right now. Um, to try to figure out what works best and they can kind of do that against some of these teams like the Bulls, um, the Timberwolves missing Carl Anthony Towns, those kind of stuff. So just kind of keep an eye out on it. He, On paper, he's a great fit. On the floor, he's a great fit, but we'll just keep an eye out on how that goes. All right, so let's move on to the defense real quick. This is another small sample size alert, so don't freak out on this. It could mean nothing. It could just be two random games, three random games in a row. Um but last week I talked about the drop pick and roll coverage that Milwaukee runs where the guy defending the ball screen will drop way deep into the lane to prevent shots at the rim and the ball the guy defending the ball handler then has to fight over the screen to chase and recover as it's kind of like a 2 on 1 situation with the big man. So that's defense the defensive bucks have been running all year long but there's been a shift in like the last 2 3 games. Um the bucks have been doing a lot of switching and it's not Straight switching, it's it's what what somebody might call a paint switch. So it's called a paint switch. If you this is your term for the day, if you want to kind of drop that with your friends and and sound smart, you can just like throw it out there casually. Oh yeah, yeah. See that paint switch and just kind of keep going, and your friends will be like, huh? So it's called a paint switch. So it's still a drop coverage, just like before, where typically Brook Lopez, because he is usually guarding the five, and that's the player that opposing teams like to target in the pick and roll so on the ball screen lopez or whoever the big man is will drop way down into the lane bledsoe or whoever's guarding the on-ball defender will still fight over the screen and they'll go to recover however if their man gets to the paint or if their man is too far away from the guy who just set the screen then they will switch do a like a really late switch like they almost get back to Guarding the on-ball defender before they switch back, and then it's just a, it's a switch at that point. So then Lopez is on the new ball handler, Bledsoe or whoever it is on the big man who set the screen. So Milwaukee has been running that a few times, and well, they've been running that a lot lately, and they've been switching more off the ball as well. So, I don't know if it's just circumstance. I don't think it has anything to do with Nikola Mirotic. The Bucks have the best defense in the NBA, the best defensive rating in the NBA, so I don't know why they would suddenly switch like this. I know that some people are upset like that a pick-and-pop center could tear them apart, so maybe Boonholzer is just trying to like get another defense out there to kind of prepare for the playoffs. I've never been a—you know, I don't know. I can't say that I know. I don't know. I don't know. So just something, another thing to keep an eye on. Again, it's an extremely tiny sample size. I could be making something out of nothing, but it's just one of those things where I want to educate you guys. You know, that's the goal of Bucks Film Room, is to help you guys, help make you guys smarter fans about the Bucks and help you guys kind of know what to look for a little bit better and not saying that I know it all by any means, but just something that I've noticed here lately. Um, And I won't even get into the ratings I have here. <clears throat> on my bullet form or on my list or whatever uh, my official Bucks Film Room podcast breakdown of things I want to talk about it's real official um, the defensive ratings before the all-star break compared to after but I'm not even going to go through that because it really means absolutely nothing um, means nothing so I won't even mention that here I kind of overruled myself here at the last minute but so keep an eye on that again it's called the paint switch and it's where the on-ball defender today's episode is brought to you by cars.com will fight over the screen just like before he'll try to recover if the if the screener gets too far away either on the pop or on the roll then he will at the last minute do a really late switch um, and then the big man will be tasked with guarding the ball handler all right i hope you guys enjoyed that that was a great a great ad i loved it i really absolutely loved it so let's go on to answer your questions as the last part of this show. So I had sent out on Twitter, my Twitter account or handle is at Bucks Film Room, And I had sent out asking for your guys' questions, um, things that you wanted me to answer. And so I have a list of probably one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions um, that I found on there. And so we'll go through. And I won't spend too much time on them, but just to answer it. And in the future, feel free to, if, uh, this article or this episode of, Bucks film room podcast will be posted on brew hoop on the website there'll be an article written about it to kind of give you a quick summary or whatever so you can also leave uh, your questions in the comments and I'll go through there before next week's podcast and I will go through that so this first question and I'm gonna butcher everybody's names just so you know I'm awful at this so don't please don't be offended if I just when I completely ruin your name so this first question Question is from Tori Hubner, whose Twitter handle is at T O S K U E B S nine. Two squabes nine, maybe? Mm-hmm. So this person asks what big name free agent will be wanting to join Giannis in Milwaukee this summer? What big name free agent will be wanting to join Giannis in Milwaukee this summer? You know, I think there might be a couple of, uh, quote, big name, unquote, free agents who want to come to the Bucs, but that's not even a possibility. I don't think this is something we need to jump too much into. The Bucks have five players. You know, they have Eric Bledsoe, they have Brooke Lopez, they have Malcolm Brogdon, they have Chris Middleton, and they now have Nikola Mirotic, who are all going to be free agents. And so a lot of stuff would have to happen. Mitchell Maurer on Brew Hoop, actually he wrote up a great article on this. So you should go and check it out, kind of runs through this scenario because this cap stuff is all super confusing. You know, everyone minus Frank Madden has no idea what's going on. And so he wrote up, Mitchell Maurer wrote up this article and it's really helpful. It's something that I always go back and reference. So make sure to check that out on BrewHoop. But basically, the Bucks would have to renounce all the rights to all these free agents in order just to create some cap room to sign a big free agent. But that's something they're not going to do because right now, they're playing so well because of this depth. And if you get rid of five of those guys or three, four of those guys, or whatever, like that just is a whole complete rebuild. And so as far as big name free agents, I wouldn't expect any big name free agents to come. The Bucks only, I shouldn't say only, their main priority is going to be resigning the guys that they already have and that they're already, you know, having this success with. All right. So the next question is from Josh Erickson at Mr. Jibs. Josh asks, since Miritich seems to be fitting in as well as expected, would you prefer to keep him over any of the Bucks' free agents? After three games, you know, this is a very incomplete puzzle. I think it's we have the first puzzle piece that's just fitting into place. We'll get the rest in these next 20-plus games and then the playoffs. So I think that will really give us the best information and the most information that we need to answer this question. But as of now... I would say, yeah, I would prefer to keep him over Bledsoe for sure. Potentially Brogden, um, yeah. So I would say those guys would be the two would be two of the guys that I would prefer to keep him over at this point. But like I said, all these answers, all the, or all these questions about who the Bucks should keep, will keep, won't keep, whatever, will be answered in the next 25-plus regular season games or 20-plus regular season games, whatever, how many are left, and then the playoffs. The playoffs are really going to be the deciding factor, who plays well, who doesn't play well. So as of right now, after three three games, yeah, I would prefer to keep Miritich over Bledsoe for sure, maybe Brogdon. All right, the next question comes from Patros Petros, Petros uh, at freakadelas freakadelas f-r-i-k-a-d-e-l-a-s i I feel like i'm being set up like one of these twitter handles is just going to be like bend over or something like that but i'm just running with it so petros petros asks or says and then asks i've been spamming the blog with this for two days now so i might as well spam the podcast too what is the case for harden over Giannis for mvp how can he still be considered the overwhelming favorite by many So to answer that question, you can always spam the podcast. That's cool. It's cool for right now. Um, And... Harden is not the overwhelming favorite. Uh, the new odds, I don't know who they released by, but by some big sports book where Giannis is now like minus 250, which means that he's favored to win it. And I think Harden's like plus 200 or something. So right now it's Giannis' to lose. Giannis is in the favorite spot at minus 250 or something like that. Don't quote me, but if it's right, then you can quote me. If it's wrong, I never said it. If it's right, yep, I was all over that, that number. So Giannis is still the... The, or is now the favorite to become the MVP. I think for Harden, you know, his scoring numbers, that's what a lot of people see is his great scoring. When you average that many points a game, like that's some, he's doing something historically great right now, and it takes another player to do something as historically great to overcome that. And thankfully, Giannis is doing something equally, if not more, historically great, if that makes any sense. So right now, I think Giannis is that front runner, especially as the Bucks continue to rack up these wins. And, you know, he's really picked his game up to another level as well. All right, three left. So the Hoff, at Hoffmania 33, rank the importance of re-signing Chris, Mirtich, Brogdon, Bled. So I don't know if the Hoff meant to leave out um, Lopez, so I won't include Lopez in there. I'll just do Chris, Mirtich, Brogdon, Bled. And in that order, I would do Chris for sure at the top, Middleton at the top for sure. And then... I would put Bledsoe on the bottom for sure, and then Mirtich and Brogdon could flip-flop 2-3 depending on the day or the game, that kind of thing. So I would go Chris, and then it's a tie with Mirtich and Brogdon, and then Bledsoe. All right, second question from the Hoff at Hoffmania33. And also, is another team going to throw a big deal at Brogdon, at Brogdon with the D, not a T? Is another team going to throw a big deal at Brogdon? What is he worth? Yeah, I think another team will throw a big deal at Brogdon. A lot of times, what happens with these successful teams is the players get poached. I mean, Damari Carroll from Budenholzer's 60 win team at the Hawks got a huge contract that he's never even come close to living up to. Um, just one example off the top of my head. So it, it happens. And especially if, if Brogdon maintains his 50, 40, 90 pace, which he's been slipping a little bit, but. Um, or at least it feels like he's been slipping, I guess I should say. I don't even know. I'd have to I don't want to say anything inaccurate. I know you guys will do your jobs and hold me to it, but it just feels like he's been slipping in those numbers a little bit. I know he missed a free throw on Monday night, but So I think they'll they will throw another or a big deal at him. What is he worth? I do not know. That's probably beyond the scope of my abilities, if I even have abilities to begin with. Um, I'm not a cap guy, um, but I would say probably a starting point, 15 million at least a year um, average, and so I would say that was probably at least a starting point is 15 million a year, which I know people don't want to hear, but he's he's valuable. You know, he's gotten better every single season in the league, even though he's old quote old at 26, he's still is right and is playing his best basketball and probably will be for the next year or two. All right, the final question from E. Lucas Daniel at underscore c zero zero l hand. So I I think it's supposed to be at under, underscore cool hand, but I think the two O's are zeros and, um, instead of O's. They're zeros. Anyway. This individual asks, does Cannon get slash deserve a second 10-day contract with the Bucks once the one he's on expires? Dang, he played one game. Played one game. But, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on George Hill. I think a lot of it depends on George Hill and where he's at. I think Cannon was signed because of Hill's injury. So if Hill's ready to come back in 10 days maybe. I'd put it at like a 40% chance. I mean, Cannon did hit a couple of threes. He played all right against the Bulls. You know, did his job, didn't do anything to draw negative attention to him. But that's Hill's job. And and they the Bucks, even though they only have two true point guards in Bledsoe and Hill, they don't really need a third. You know, Brogdon can kind of handle, handle Um, the ball. He did that a lot on Monday night, and as I think, was it Marquise Johnson um, pointed out? I think it was him on the broadcast. So Brogdon can kind of handle the ball. Giannis can kind of handle the ball. Um, You could ask Connaughton, or you could ask Connaughton, I guess, in a stretch. It's not really ideal at all. Middleton can kind of handle the ball. So they have a lot of kind of options, which can kind of get blurry. I mean, they haven't had that third point guard. I guess they got Duvall as well, but they haven't had that third point guard on the roster, um, all season long. So I, so he might get another 10 day contract to answer your question, but I think it all depends on George Hill and his availability. They're not going to rush Hill back, especially if the Bucks keep winning. You know, Hill, he's been very versatile defense. He's finished. He's been very versatile defensively, period. He's finished a lot of games, um, He's finished a lot of games over Bledsoe because of that defense ability. You know, he's struggled from downtown this season with the Bucks. He hasn't quite been able to find his shot. So I think that it all depends on George Hill and where he's at with his recovery. And just looking up Hill's three-point percentage with the Bucks, yeah, it's at 27.9%, which is nasty. Um, So yeah, to answer your question, I think it all depends on george hale and his health and whether or not canon comes back after this contract expires in eight days as of hopefully the time you're listening to this podcast on wednesday all right well that's all i have for you guys today thanks for tuning in don't forget this bucks film room podcast will be released every thursday and I say that and then add, with the exception of this week, because of the West Coast road trip, the Bucks play at 9 o'clock on Wednesday night. And so I don't really want to have to stay up too late and then record the podcast after that. I know some of those podcasters out there are committed. I like my sleep a little bit. So this one will be releasing on Wednesday, but then it'll be released every Thursday moving forward. So you can find it on the Brew Hoop feed on Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Just search for Brew Hoop. And also don't forget to catch the original Brew Hoop podcast with Adam, Kyle, and that Phi League guy on Sunday. Um, that's when they drop their weekly podcast. They're a lot of fun. Like I said, two of those three guys, are they're just great shit, and they're really fun to listen to. All right, I'll catch you guys next time. Peace.